Hello, and welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast, conversations about impact, where entrepreneurs and leaders share how they have impact, the sweet moments, and the challenges. I'm your host, Ursula York. I help entrepreneurs grow successful businesses that make a difference in the world. Impact is more than mission, more than purpose, even more than your why. Impact is where your unique self and business meet the world and contribute to making it better for all of us. These stories are here to inspire and energize you so you can have your own unique impact. Today's guest on the podcast is Vicki Saunders. Vicki is an entrepreneur, award-winning mentor, advisor to the next generation of change makers, and leading advocate for entrepreneurship as a way of creating positive transformation in the world. Vicki is founder of Hashtag Radical Generosity and SheEO, a global community of radically generous women supporting women-led ventures working on the world's to-do list. Before we get started, I'm excited to share an opportunity with you, the $1,000 marketing plan. Would it be a relief to bring in enough clients to make your big vision possible and not feel icky about your marketing? For just $1,000, you'll receive a customized plan for your business that focuses on your impact and clearly maps out your next steps for marketing your most valuable offering. Be in alignment with what you value and the change you want to make in the world. Go to the $1,000marketingplan.com for more information. Click on any button to get started. Don't forget the whole name, the 1000indigitsmarketingplan.com. Click on any button to get your customized marketing plan underway. The link is also in the show notes. I'm delighted to have you here, Vicki. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. So the more research I did and the more uh, I, I learned about you, the more I recognize how radically different you do things. And um, it, in a way, I mean, I, this quote that you said was your favorite quote kind of sums things up. You said, we are not here to win. We are here to transform. I love that. And I would love to hear more about that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a big one. Um, you know, it's interesting. It, it actually surfaced as an insight from a conversation I was having with a, a colleague of mine who um, I hadn't seen for some time when I was out uh, for coffee. And they're like, wow, uh, you know, she has really grown. Your space is really, really busy right now. And I'm like, my space? And he goes, yeah, women. And I'm oh, like, wow. uh-huh. And and he said, I wonder who's going to win. Mm. And I remember like thinking, what, what are you talking about? Because again, this, this narrative of winning the market and a winner takes all is so all encompassing is so everywhere. It's a mono narrative. Yeah. Which which means someone has to lose. Truly. Yeah. It's the the binary, the Mm -hmm. old kind of model. Uh, but just this concept of like someone has to win this, uh, and I and I it was just so outside of my sort of spectrum at the moment. And so I walked home and I was thinking about this, and I'm like, what? Like, we're not here to win. We're not trying to win. We're here to transform. We need to transform the models, the economy, the narratives we have, the paradigms we're in, in order to survive 
on this planet, given how much we've messed things up, right? We're at the end of a paradigm of self-interest, winner takes all that needs to shift. And so, so that's where that came from. I was rage writing (laughs) essentially (laughs) after that, after that exchange. Uh, And I'm so grateful for these kinds of things that pop into your life where people, you know, really like underline, you know, double click on these concepts, which are just from my perspective, no longer serving us and really Mm -hmm. need to be shifted. Yeah. Well, and you've talked about um, the collective economy in in terms of creating a new economy and also um, your hashtag on LinkedIn is radical generosity. And I know that's a phrase you use a lot. So talk a little bit about how you see the collective economy evolving. Yeah. Well, and, and this concept of a collective economy, I've learned a lot about from indigenous culture. And so for those who may not know, um, in Indigenous culture, there's this thing called the potlatch, P-O-T-L-A-C-H. Mm-hmm. And it, it was something that we outlawed as being uncivilized uh, when white men came over to North America. But essentially, it was this idea of there's an accumulation that naturally occurs in communities where, you know, a fur trader, for example, would go and trade pelts and like accumulate more and more stuff. And when they accumulated too much, uh, there was a party and all of the spoils were, were then redistributed out to the community because it wasn't, it didn't belong to that person. It belongs to the community. And so everything would be redistributed. Um, And so things would sit in these long houses and then councils of women would then help go redistribute it to the community for those most in need. So it was prioritized by the community for the community. Um, And I was like, that's amazing. (laughs) That idea of like, really, what is the highest and best use of your capital for the good of the whole to create more equitable systems? This is the question I think about a lot. Mm -hmm. And so at SheEO, we gather, we aggregate our capital together each year in each country so women are gifting capital it's pooled together and then we're loaning this money out to the community at zero percent interest um, to entrepreneurs who are working on the world's to-do list and it's a collective community decision it's not you know four experts in a room who are the investment committee it's all of us putting in our different perspectives uh, on where this goes and so uh, this collective there are many many ways to organize economies and the one we have right now is only one example yeah, there have been many other kinds, and we think this is the only way because we're in a mono narrative. Mm. Well, and it's not a very functional one either. So it is not. The inequality yeah. is really off the charts, and so I think the collective economy is a is a you know a collective imagination of how we want to use our resources to create what kind of world. Mm. And I feel like we're at this sort of like fork in the road at the moment around we doubled down on this idea of self-interest and winner takes all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started 400 years ago with Adam Smith. And apparently in throughout history, there's these sort of 400 year cycles where we create new paradigms and we are overdue for one mm. quite desperately. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, this concept of radical generosity is a rethinking of what do we value and what creates the conditions for humans to really thrive. And so as I was thinking and have been thinking about for decades, really, you know, I'm quite obsessed with how do you create the conditions for people to feel the most free, to contribute their gifts, to feel free, and but to be in a collective as well. Mm-hmm. And the concept for me was really rooted in generosity. When I am around people who are generous with me, I tend to dream out loud a little bit bigger. Yeah, I tend to be a bit bolder and I share my whole self 
when I'm not in safe spaces, when I'm in traditional sort of business environments, which is like everybody trying to up, one up each other, mm-hmm. it does it doesn't feel like a place that brings out the best in me. Yeah. And so I just put the word radical in front of generosity. <laughs> this was six <laughs> years ago before radical was put into everything, in front of everything. Right. Um, but you know you're out of balance when you have to put a word in front of a word. Um, you know, social entrepreneur, impact investor, yeah. radical generosity in a way was um, an, an overemphasis on something that is not considered a power word. We tend not to get excited about things that don't like nailed it, crushed it, killed it, like all these violent yeah. t- sort of terms. Imagery. Yeah. yeah. But if you just, you know, I, I have a, I came from a family full of boys and a lot of boy energy. And I, you know, thought if I came home and said, I was really generous today. It would be like, wah, wah. <laughs> you know, really, <laughs> whatever. Right. Um, but this concept of I was radically generous today. Oh, really? Like, what's that? What yeah. do you mean? And what it's mean this yeah. way of practicing being kind with each other, assuming that people are doing the best they can. You just mm. never know what's going on in people's lives. Yeah. And I think we're quite quick to judge and quite harsh on each other <laughs> in general these days. And I, um, and I just don't think it brings out the best in humans. And I don't want to live in a place where I'm constantly afraid of saying things for being canceled. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love the pot mat potlatch imagery as a way of looking at this. I've, I've done work with entrepreneurs in South Africa and their image of their vision of impact almost always involves some sort of community effect. Nobody's saying I want a yacht or I want to you know, have a huge mansion somewhere. They're saying, well, here's what I can do for my community. So, so you're really tapping into what I believe is a deep need that we have to both connect and to contribute. Yeah. I mean, it's to be in relationship with one another. Like we have, we have reduced human relationships to financial transactions. It's like, everything is monetized, you know, like as a very small example, when I was a little kid, you could, after school, go running down the street and go to a neighbor's house and hang out and right. go into those houses. Now it's like, no, you you have actually a financial contract with that neighbor to look after your kids after school. Yeah, right. You know, it's a really, everything is just so monetized um, that we've kind of forgotten that beautiful reciprocity that exists and feeds meaning in the human relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it takes away that that core special gift sharing and gift giving. Um, and that reciprocity is just really gives so much meaning to our lives and, and we yeah. keep reducing it. So, yeah, well, I really want to get into hearing more about CEO and just to set the stage a little bit, something that you said in a talk I listened to, you said, we are building this community at the speed of trust and trust happens at the speed of relationships. And mm-hmm. I think that, speaks directly in opposition to this whole transactional kind of approach to business. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing trust erode almost everywhere, right? Lack of trust Mm -hmm. in our institutions, in our leaders, um, in one another, um, (laughs) you know, to care for the collective. And so there's, there's a real challenge in that. And I, and I do recognize, I mean, I'm really a student of human behavior and culture change and, um, and systems transformation. And I, and I know that words are kind of cheap. Like the only way you can really upgrade your story is going through an experience where you're literally shown and you experience a different way of being. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, a, a lot of the, the work that we do at CEO is that you come into this experience together. And in the past, uh, or actually today, when we think about investing, we're like, what do I get out of it? I'm going to, you know, give you some of my money and I want a 10x return or I want some big return. And when we get nervous and get into fear about what's going to happen to my money, I invest in that company. I don't like the way they're doing things. It's worrying me. Uh, I need to get my money back. I'm here to accumulate. You get into fear and then you get into control and then people start to use their power over one another. Yeah. And it's just, it's a very slippery slope and it's, you know, you see it happen over and over. So we have, we actually have disrupted that process so that we can actually remember that we can trust each other. Mm. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, and so at CEO, you gift your capital. And so you, now you have no control. It's in, you know, you've put $1,100 in $92 a month uh, into this pool. And now we're going to go on a journey together of deciding where that capital will go, trusting the entrepreneurs to pay that money back and helping them in whatever way we can behind the, be, beyond the money as customers or advisors or opening doors for them if we can, being part of their success. Uh, and then starting to realize that using your power with others is uh, way more compelling, way more meaningful, a lot more fun uh, than trying to use your power over. Control is really expensive and it's kind of painful. Mm -hmm. And trust can actually like really refresh us to the possibility of what we can actually co-create together. Um, and so that's, that's a muscle that we're building in our community. And it really can only happen when we get in relationship with each other. Yeah. And so that's what we do. Well, one of the ways that you do that is so unique. And so everyone, uh, all the, we call them activators, put mm -hmm. money into this fund. You've actually already created a perpetual fund in Canada. Mm -hmm. So it'll continue yep. even if there are no more. But of course, be great if there were more, more. But in the process that you use, the ventures that end up getting the funding for that year are decided on by the people in the in the program. Yeah, that are. It's not a sort of uh, as you mentioned, like a high level. We know what we're talking about, and here's what we're telling you. You need to do this. is very much a communal decision, which is, is pretty radical approach in terms. And then you have the uh, ventures decide how to divide up the money. Is that still the process? Yes, it is. Yeah, that <laughs> is extraordinary. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's democracy. We seem yeah. to have forgotten that there's a democracy possibility out there, but right. it requires participation, right? So individuals who, you know, entrepreneurs apply, uh, there's an you know, application, it's online online, and then activators, people who've contributed capital go online and they vote. And we tr say, trust your intuition. Is this a business you would like to see in the world? Is this mm -hmm. something that you think is needed right now in your community? Do you, uh, would you buy or recommend this product or service? Because if hundreds of women decide to do so, the business is likely to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, or, you know, the way that we do it in the world right now is we put five experts in a room and go, these have the greatest market potential, the right. biggest market size, the chance to take over everything. And it's like, okay, but like, what if nobody cares about these businesses in right. the community? Are they going to help them? And so we're really looking for, you know, the community to decide what they get really pumped about. And what we've seen over and over and over in the six years that since we started this is that when hundreds of women and non-binary folk decide that something matters and they want to support it, they are investable. 
no matter what their balance sheet looks like, <laughs> mm. no matter what you think. I've just seen the impossible happen over and over and over again in our community yeah. because people wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a, a really, really fascinating thing. And then the division of the money, yeah, this is a real head turner <laughs> yeah. um, that a lot of our community really love. So when our, for example, there's $500,000 raised this year and there's five ventures that get selected, they come together for a retreat, um, a, a weekend where they are coached and uh, they get to meet each other, they get to know each other. Um, and then we turn it over to them and say, what is the highest and best use of this capital? How do you want to divide this up amongst yourselves? And you only have two rules. You can't, um, you can't give it all to one and you can't divide it up evenly. Oh, interesting. And so over to you to decide how to do that. And, you know, uh, for those who are listening, you know, <laughs> the, the natural tendency after getting to know five people falling in love with their businesses, what they're doing and everything is like, how about everyone just take hundred thousand dollars and we'll go home. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're my best friend. Now it's easy. Like that's the easy route, but yeah. not everybody needs the same amount mm-hmm. and not everyone's at the same stage. Uh, and so this is a practice that we have, which is, is really fascinating. And again, this is what um, cultures previous to us have done they collectively decide on what is the highest and best use, what are the biggest priorities, what's going to have the most impact mm-hmm. and how do we allocate capital towards that? And they don't worry about not having enough because there's more where that came from. Yeah. You know, this, this is where we are now and there's more. So just keep going. Yeah. yeah. And this approach has been extraordinarily successful because you've got a 95% yes. payback rate over it's you're at, they're asked to pay back over five years, which is, is yeah. pretty amazing. I think any bank would envy that. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, our first cohort, we're roughly, you know, tracking towards 95%, but our first cohort, 100% payback, mm. like their five-year loan. So we're just having the first group come back. Ah. And in fact, to your point around the bank, we did have a bank in Canada come to us and say, you're uh, getting money into the hands of Black, Indigenous, women of color. Uh, those have really been put to the margins. And we haven't been able to do that as effectively as you had in the way that you're doing it in a completely different risk lens than we're doing and your payback rates are better than ours. So let's, we're going to match your money. So they've, they've matched our 0% interest loans with no collateral uh, so that we can double our numbers each year. That's great. So that to me was like, okay, five years in that systems change. (laughs) You know, that's the beginning of shifting processes by demonstrating a different way. Well, it's so encouraging that banks have, at least some banks have the vision to see, wow, this isn't working and uh, let's just adopt this quite different approach. I, that that yeah. encourages me a lot. You, you say that this, and, and you've mentioned this, that this organization is for women working on the world's to-do list. So what do you mean mm-hmm. by that? Yeah. So we want to put our capital to you know, the major challenges we're facing on the planet. Those are the things that we want to solve. Uh, and I, you know, when I think of the multiple concurrent challenges that are going on right now, it is so like, why are we spending money on, you know, investing hundreds of millions of dollars into pizza trucks that get the pizza there hotter and faster? Like, <laughs> what the hell, people? There's a lot of stuff going on. Why is that a priority? And so that's kind of how we think about things. Like, what what are you tackling that is gonna make a positive difference in the world. And those things, you know, we use the metrics from the sustainable development goals as kind of our guide. So, mm-hmm. you know, reducing poverty, um, you know, education, health, uh, like all the big 
challenges that every government in the world sort of signed on for and said, these are the top priorities. Yeah. That's what we've sort of short formed to the world's to-do list. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. First, I want to share an offer with you, the $1,000 marketing plan. If your body tightens up just thinking about marketing, or if you're not sure what to do next to bring in a steady stream of business, then consider the $1,000 marketing plan. This plan, customized for your business, will center your marketing around the most important thing for your business, your impact. For an investment of $1,000, you'll have a plan that clearly maps out what to do for the next six to 12 months to market your best offering and bring in the income you want. Be in alignment with what you value and the change you want to make in the world. Go to the1000marketingplan.com and don't forget the whole name, the1000indigitsmarketingplan.com. For more information, click on any button to get started. The link is also in the show notes. Well, um, what, what's so interesting to me about you and being involved in this is that you've co-founded and run a number of companies, a couple in Europe, a couple in Canada, one in Silicon Valley, and yet you said you never wanted to do something gender-specific. <laughs> yeah. How <laughs> oh, you did your research, I, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you end up here? <laughs> uh, well, so here's the thing. I'm in my 50s. I, have, I was conditioned by the culture that we have been brought up in to uh, not hang out with other women. It was like, if you, there were so few women in leadership uh, who rose to the top that, um, and, and there wasn't uh, a drive for camaraderie. It was like, if you wanted to be successful, you went and hung out with the boys. Like yeah. literally that was conditioned into us, yeah. which is thank God, not what the next generations coming along have been conditioned to. They're like, get together. The only way these systems stay is uh, in the structures that they're in right now is if we stay separate. Mm-hmm. But if we all come together, things will change. And it took me a long time to just overcome my conditioning. Mm. Partly that, and partly, you know, I am a pragmatist as well as, you know, a vision kind of person. And I see what happens when it's a woman only thing. It doesn't get valued. Yeah. It doesn't get funded. 2% of venture yeah. capital goes to 51% of the population. I know. You don't value shocking. anything woman only. And yeah. So the last thing I wanted to do is stick myself in a structure where I was going to have to fight 10 times harder than I already was. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized, oh, this is the point. This is the work. You know, 50, we have wealth like we've never had before. We have the heart and connections to reimagine uh, what the world could look like. We need to get women putting their capital towards the kind of economy they want to create. We have 85% of purchasing decisions. We make mm-hmm. 85% of purchasing decisions. Yeah. The wealth transfer is mostly going into hands of us. And so there's yet, like a lot of, yeah, a lot of conditions changing. And yet yeah. it's still kind of painful. However, uh, I really do feel like there's, there's great movement happening. Uh, I feel like there's just a lot of change happening and it. You can see things you know, I was on a panel recently where I got asked, is it getting better or is it getting worse? And the answer is yes. <laughs> um, it's both and, and, and thinking in the binary is a detriment to like, we can't think in the binaries anymore. Yes, there are indicators that things are getting worse, but at the same time, the, um, we, it is being revealed to us uh, day by day how biased our systems and structures are right? so that we can start to 
reboot them, reimagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said something I found very poignant, which, and I completely agree, agree this is my own experience, that there's no right way to do anything. Yeah. yeah. And um, nobody knows what they're doing. You came to this realization early mm-hmm. on. You're, I think you were at the World yeah. Economic Forum, sitting next to some high-powered person and realizing oh God, they yeah. have no clue what they're talking no about. No idea. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, these people are running things? What? Yeah. <laughs> But on the other hand, the flip side of, oh my God, you know, I don't know where this is taking me. The flip side is I get to make this up. I get to be creative and be bold and do all the things. Yeah. I think there's this, uh, you know, when you, when you're going through school, what certainly when I was going through school, it was like, oh, just learn how things work and then go do those things. Right. And I'm like, right. actually, quite the opposite now. <laughs> Please yeah. don't do what's been done before. It's not working. It's not serving us. It's creating more inequality. Mm. You have to reimagine things. Uh, and so uh, you'll hear me often talk about imagination because I, you know, we are, we desperately need to improve our imagination and to reimagine what's possible collectively and individually and see more experimentation for what would you like things to be like if you could redesign anything what would you shift mm-hmm. uh, and that's there's a huge invitation to the next generation and well to all of us coming along um, this is made up it's not working anymore what do we want it to look like yeah. and to value some intangibles it's there's such mm-hmm. a I mean we've touched on this already but the very transactional everything has to be measurable I, I always think of Brene Brown's talk where yeah. she says that that was her great comfort is there's nothing valid that can't be measured when in fact there's much to value outside there's of so that so much yeah. so much yeah that word intangibles drives me nuts because <laughs> uh it's like a noose around us um and I, you know we're starting to recognize that the things that we can measure like the economy is a made-up construct where everything that doesn't fit into the model we just call it an uh, externality so we don't count what trees give us, what water gives us, you know, what nature brings in the cost of transporting things all over the world. Um, when you don't do that, we have crazy things where we catch fish in on the west coast of Canada and we ship it to China to be processed. And then right. we ship it back to sell yeah. it in the store. Yeah. What the what? Um, <laughs> and like across everything, we ship New Zealand butter, pats of New Zealand uh, created butter to Chile. What? Like <laughs> on and on and on, like just the craziness. And we're starting to see a lot more of this um, with COVID, the supply chain disruption, the inability to get goods and services that yeah. were always on demand. So there's a global awakening happening, which I couldn't be happier for, despite the pain it's causing in the short term. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think the pandemic has shaken things up to a degree we could never have had without some Mm -hmm. kind of cataclysmic event like that. And and as you said, it's both painful and eye-opening. So, well, clearly you're committed to having a positive impact. And um, I wonder about how you see that playing out in companies. I mean, I have a number of questions about this. One of which is, do you think that impact focused companies actually have a better chance of funding or not? Um, Yeah. Let's, let's speak to that first. Uh, Again, my answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Better or not. I mean, we're in this transition between worlds at the moment. So Mm. everything is messy. Nothing is 
you know, simple straight yes. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's my firm belief that we, um, we're starting to, like, we're really starting to understand that business models that are extractive, that harm the planet, that are not good for people will go the way of the dodo bird. Mm-hmm. They just will. Mm-hmm. Um, are we there yet? Not quite. Um, and it's, it's been a while, right? We've just, we have a business, for example, uh, called Better Packaging. And it's out of New Zealand and it's home compostable courier packaging. Oh. So all of our courier packaging goes into the landfill and you can just imagine how painful yeah. that is right now, mm-hmm. given COVID and everybody getting stuff delivered at home and chucking it in the garbage. And our, so our landfills are just exploding. And so these two women, um, Kate and Rebecca had this idea for home compostable courier packaging. It was great going really well companies calling from all over the world, exporting Mm. to uh, dozens and dozens of countries going really well. And then they're just like, you know, it's just not good enough. We need to do better. We're zero waste, but we want to be negative waste. And so they went back to the drawing board for product development and they came up with a model, which is literally taking pollution out of the ocean. So hiring Pacific Islander women, to go out into these plastic islands of garbage, take that plastic out of the ocean as the raw material for making their courier packaging. So they have a formula that allows to do that. And then it's still home compostable. So it doesn't go back into the ocean. So as they scale their business, they are healing the earth. Wow. Oh my God. Like that's the business model of the future. How can scaling your business create more beauty, more value, less harm, more yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and so I think these new, we have been, one of the things we do at CEO is we're looking for new models and new mindsets and new solutions that are creating a better world. Mm. And they don't look like things of the past. So yeah. the last thing we're going to do is fund like the next Airbnb for cats, which is just like everything else. It's not solving anything. Uh, we're looking for, wow, that is a brilliant idea. That's going to heal us. That's part of regenerative, the regenerative culture we need in business. Mm, love that. Well, one of the things that I've learned in my experience is if you want to have impact, the company really has to be infused with that philosophy mm-hmm. throughout. It's not enough to just have a corporate giving department that uh, gives to yeah. nonprofits. Yeah, that's so very superficial. But um, how, how, do, how do you accomplish that? I mean, I, I, I have my own perspectives on that. I'd love to hear yours. Yeah, I think so. I think it's quite challenging to do it after the fact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cruising along kind of crappy company, doing a lot of harm, not paying people well, all of a sudden, well, we'll just give a percentage over here to something else. And that's our yeah. corporate citizenship. Like that's, that's no longer a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, just buy one, get one, give one to somebody else and dump a bunch of cheap product in a country so they can't get into that business. You know, yeah. we've seen a lot of um, a lot of comments on those business models, not really, um, yeah, unintended consequences of doing good, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, for me, this all starts at the beginning of what kind of company do you want to run? How do you want it to treat people? How do you want it? To, how do you treat your employees? How do you treat your community? Um and what are you paying attention to from a values perspective? So I think it's a lot easier when you start from the beginning, thinking those things through, and then you practice living your values, which is also not easy to do in a world that's pushing you constantly um, to just maximize your profit. 
uh, and to save money. Um, you know, we have a, a venture called Got Care that pays home healthcare workers 30% more and charges the clients at home 30% less. Wow. <laughs> and she like, just imagine that as your pitch to venture capitalists. <laughs> this sounds like Reaganomics. <laughs> yeah, but it's like absolutely brilliant. So she's, you know, paying these people uh, what they deserve and then taking less and just doing the matchmaking through it so that we have better healthcare uh, mm. services versus like, oh, I can, I can get away with paying people less and therefore yeah. I will. Right. When you pay people what they're worth, uh, and value their contributions, they work harder, they're more loyal, they do a better job, yeah. you have a better product, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So um, so I think the intentionality at the beginning of what you're trying to do and what your principles are is really important. And there's so many different ways to do business than we do, yeah. so many. Well, and it's, I, sorry, just I guess the last thing is just yeah. as an entrepreneur, you know, one of the reasons why I chose the business construct for my leadership uh, and being this is and being in a for-profit business, you can do whatever you want. If you can make money, you can use it however you want to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. It is the freest form of structure out there without someone telling you how to do things. So right. in our organization, we have six weeks of holidays. We close the office for a week every quarter to remind ourselves that we mm. can stop and the whole sky won't fall right. um, so that we don't you know, work ourselves to death. We practice all these things all the time it's easy for us to do because we're not doing crisis management. So we yeah. can close the office for a week and say, let but again, you know, it's all made up. What do you want it to look like? Don't just follow what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Uh, this is so good. It just leads into a couple of things. I, I really wanted to ask you about one of which is creating a kind of culture within a company that is, has its own impact on the individuals in the company and their lives, and it all ripples out. So how have you been able to build a, a culture like that, that? I mean, what's your role been in mm -hmm. making it the kind of culture that supports the things that you've been talking about? Yeah, I would say it's been like a decades-long experiment at messing up <laughs> uh, <laughs> along the way. I've, I've experimented a lot uh, and tried different things and uh, got it right and then not got it right. I think uh, at the moment in time with our CEO team, it's never been better. We've never had a stronger, I've never had a stronger culture in any organization I've ever been part of. Um, and it, it comes from a lot of effort um, and a lot of coaching people to believe that it can be different uh, and getting out of our own way. And, you know, like a, an example recently is someone that's like, you know, it's, I need a whole month off. I need to take a month off. I'm like, okay. And they're like, so can I? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Do you want to? And they're like, yeah, I really want to. I'm like, okay, so take a month off. Well, how would that work? I'm like, I don't know. How would it work? Yeah, good question. And, you know, and then we went through this process of like, well, how will people in the team feel if I do this? And I mean, it, if you're taking care of yourself, how would they feel? I think they'll probably be fine with it. Well, what if other people want to do it? I'm like, then other people want to do it and mm -hmm. we figure it out, right? Everyone is different. And it's not like if one person does it, then everyone has to. We're here on our own terms to create the conditions for each of us to thrive and each of us are different and we need different rules. And so how do you do that as a collective and individually? And yeah. so there's this dance back and forth. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes things get out of balance. You have to have a conversation around the house that's working for us, mm. you know? 
And um, so we have a we have a lot of things we do in our team to build this culture. We are very much a learning organization. We just right before this podcast finished school on debt, the first mm. five thousand years, <laughs> which is a book <laughs> I'm obsessed with, which sounds very geeky and strange, but it was fascinating, and the whole team was just blown away by it. Wow. And so our friend Denise Hearn, who's an author and an economist, came in and explained the sort of key learnings in 25 minutes and everyone just kind of walked away with a bit of different thinking. And so we do school sessions every week with different people on the team, teaching different things to each other. Hmm. We have a, we have deep dives around things that we want to think about more deeply every week on our team meetings. We have check-ins and reflection at the end of each week for about an hour where everyone on the team shares, what did I learn this week? And what am I leaving the week reflecting on? Hmm. And so we're constantly sharing, um, what's catching each of us, what's blocking us, what's exciting us, what's energizing us, what's confusing us. Um, So there's a lot of reflection built in and then permission giving to create the culture that we want to. Yeah. So that's all part of it. And then of course we have a very strong position around what kind of workplace we want. Mm -hmm. So there's some work to do to figure that out and then to actually maintain it, grow it. And so we follow um, the chaotic model um, D Hawk, who is the founder of Visa, um, is uh, just like a fantastic, interesting brain. And he, um, his whole model is all around uh, self leadership. Mm-hmm. And so, your we we don't have a hierarchy at our organization. Really, it's yeah. very much you lead yourself, manage yourself, figure mm-hmm. out what you need yeah. to thrive. And then there's lots of checking in to help remind you how's that going for you. <laughs> looks like you're struggling over here. How can we help with that? And so lots of coaching, lots of mentoring, lots of sharing and feedback. Um, And then just, again, continuously questioning the way that we think we have to do it to see if it's working for us. Well, you've covered the whole topic of leadership I was going to move to next and to to hear about your leadership (laughs) style, but you've given given us some really vivid examples there. So I'll, I'll ask you this other last question before we get to the raft round, and that is, I've heard you say that you're great at managing your energy and mm. that um, you're not so much habitual, but you you still do a great job of that. And yeah. I, I loved hearing about your uncle's advice, which I hear I just heard actually, and how you're creating these reflection and learning yeah. things in the in your company. But talk a little bit about that because that's such yeah. a major thing of how do you keep up the energy to do all that you want to do, all the impact you want to have. Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I am working on things every day that are my gifts. I use my gifts every single day. I'm in a, I know I'm on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm doing is why I'm here. Uh, it's taken me a long time to find it, but it, I'm very much in the zone for that. And so I'm energized by what I do almost all day, every day. So that's a huge like starting yeah. point, right? So you that's don't, great. you know, I, I don't have people yelling at me, telling me I suck and I'm not doing a good job. So that's a whole, <laughs> that's like a phase one. Right. Um, and then this other piece of uh, just people don't do, it's like super simple insight. People don't do great work unless they want to. Mm. Hello. So no amount of carrot or stick really is going to have people show up great. They might show up good or okay, but for them to really show up in their greatness, Um, that requires a bunch of work. And so um, we, first of all, create a cadence of work 
I personally love four day work weeks. I feel like I'm much more creative when I can mm-hmm. have that three days to replenish, reflect, read stuff, yeah. uh, step back from things totally depends on other people, but that's what works for me. So I take off Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a permission. We don't do meetings on Fridays as a team. So mm-hmm. it's like a medium meeting moratorium and people seem to like that. Uh, and then once a quarter, as I mentioned this, my uncle had said this to me, like take off a week every quarter to remind yourself that the sky won't fall if you step away from your desk, because we start, the more that we get on the rabbit or rabbit, whatever, whatever the wheel's called. Hamster wheel. Hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. more that we get on the hamster wheel, the more uh, we think we're indispensable. Yeah, that's true. And, and then, and the more out of balance, the more you just prove yourself the whole story. Yeah. Uh, and so by stepping back, you're like, oh, that was easy. I can do that. And like, everything's fine. And so we just did it. Instead of having people all pick different weeks, we just decided as a team, we're going to pick these singular weeks. And so there, if you want to keep working, you can, it's just, there's no meetings. You can go do your own, whatever work you want to do, but those kinds of things. And then we closed the uh, office for three weeks in December for like a real replenish. Cause we work really hard. We are a fast driving team doing lots of things. Um, and so those are some things we've put into place. Uh, and then, you know, there is permission to go like, it's a crazy day. My kid is needs all this math homework help. COVID's a nightmare. Yeah. Sorry, I thought I was going to be on today, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And we figure things out. Uh, human first. Um, and then just trust everybody to get done what they need to get done or ask for help if they need support. It's really not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's just different, you know? It's not that hard having set the foundation. I mean, you you obviously value relationships, yeah. you value the building of trust, and that's what underlies all of this. It's not like you arrive and yeah. ta-da, you're at that point. You've obviously built something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, Vicky, this has been amazing. I I, uh, I always ask uh, three rapid round questions around impact. Are you game mm-hmm. to try those? Sure, let's do it. Great. The first one is, what's the biggest thing you've learned about having impact? Uh, share what you learn. Mm. So, uh, you know, I've noticed that I've become a real teacher. My grandmother always said I'd be a teacher. And I'm like, no, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm not doing that thing with those kids in rows. Uh, but I, I just didn't realize it was a different kind of teaching. Yeah. But yeah. That's the biggest thing that I can think is like share with others what you've learned. So the ripples can keep going. Great. Second is, what's one thing you've consistently done that's, that's contributed to your success and impact the most? Debrief my day with my partner. Mm. I'm constantly reflecting on what's working, what's not, what do I need to let go of, what do I need to keep so that I have a life that just fills me up. I love that. That's I've asked those that question over 200 times now, and I've, I've never gotten that kind of answer. I love mm. that. Well, the last question is, what's one piece of advice, if you had one thing you could say or an insight you'd share with another business owner who's asking, how can I have more impact? What would you say? Yeah, uh, I think the time for me by myself is no longer here. I think we've entered the post-hero world, Mm. if it ever was one. And this is the moment to get into community and share your gifts and to receive gifts from others that could make your work better. Um, I think this whole idea of you have to do things alone and doing things alone, we just don't live there anymore. All of the challenges we're facing are bigger than any one individual. And um, coming together in community 
realizing that we have things that can help other people and other people have things that can help us is the work of our time collaboration. Love that. Yeah. So good. Well, Vicki, this has been an amazing conversation. I love how you are shifting the perspective on so many levels and in so many ways, and it's, uh, it is rippling out. I mean, I can see the effect of what you're doing and it's obviously affecting the, the women involved in CEO, but it's beyond that. And uh, thank you so much for giving us some insight into what, how that, how that has unfolded and what's happening. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or uh, come to our website, www.sheeo.world. Come and join us. It's a community for women and non-binary folk who want to transform systems and ourselves. Love to have you. Great. Well, thank you, Vicki. And thank you for the work you're doing in the world. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Join me for more episodes. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and help us spread the word. Rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. To discover more about your impact, schedule a business impact assessment one-on-one with me, 60 minutes of focus on your and your company's impact and how you can increase it. Go to workalchemy.com BIA to schedule your business impact assessment. This podcast is produced on the traditional lands of the Cherokee, Tuscarora, Catawba, and Waccamaw Sioux and people. 